Hey, this is Gareth Webb, and you are listening to Breakout, a show aimed at cutting through the hiring noise and breaking down best practices. We'll also be tapping into the minds of other industry leaders so you can ensure your business makes the right critical hires the right way. Yes, it's an interesting one this morning. Yeah, so we'll just dive right into it. This topic this week is, this might be a little bit of a shorter show for us today, but thought it might be an interesting topic um, as it was a topic of debate in our office last week when we were discussing, I think it was recruiting one of the roles for one of our clients specifically, but just the topic of our MBA is overhyped and um, very differing points of views um, from the, the company internally. So I thought it'd be interesting to get your point of view as obviously having clients across different sizes, um, industries within tech, and you know you having a good pulse on the market across these. Want to get your thoughts on what companies are looking for. Is there, you know, maybe if we segment this out a little bit by, you know, industry company position where are you seeing that concentration and desire for MBAs what does that kind of makeup look like? And then on the flip side, where maybe companies don't really care too much and where those are focused on, um, and we'll go from there. Yeah, I think um, a lot of it stems from, which we talked about before, <clears throat> the increased demand over the last few years for chief of staff type profiles, mm-hmm. which was initially in some bigger type, bigger customers and more public, like post-IPO or very late stage pre-IPO, where we saw an increase in demand for these kinds of individuals. So the, the chief of staff, somebody out consulting, somebody with an MBA, two, three years post MBA, going into the chief of staff. Do you want to recap that chief of staff for all really quick too? Yes. I would call it like, say, say C-suite, exec, CRO, COO, CMO, like in bigger companies, they have a chief of staff and it's not an executive assistant and it's not like a junior, it's basically a potentially more emerging career version of themselves of the Swiss army knife that, that people call it of smart utility player that can be in the room when the C-suite or the executive mm-hmm. cannot be in the room and just then be eyes and ears, ask the questions they may ask, take down the notes and go back to them mm-hmm. and, you know, allow them to scale themselves out and move faster, which then we've seen that come down the, 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 uh, the size like there's the chain, so to speak, of public company into then like the scale ups and then even the early stage, so like the C series A. So I think it's, it stems from that. And that's when we've had the profile has been thrown at us in many ways, but it tends to just be big four consulting or top, top consulting firm, McKinsey, BCG, Bain, and then Accenture and, and some others. So there's like the the top few, an MBA preferred or must, and then ideally two to three years out of of MBA, um, in industry. And then that profile is well-paid job with great visibility for, and as long as you don't make mistakes, like there's not a time of risk on you. Like you're not responsible for shipping a product. You're not responsible for PL. You're not responsible for sales, marketing, you're supporting the person that is responsible. So I think like we've always had these conversations internally that it's a very good career move for people who 
you know, I think I speak for many because I've got friends who have taken this route, but back in five, 10 years ago, going to a good school, going into a big firm on a graduate training program, it's like a really safe bet for your career, but then potentially a little soulless after a period of time, you know, being, being a, a number, a big number in a firm like that, where you don't have impact. So then you, you know, so you go, go MBA and then you come out and you have various options going into more startup or niche verticals or larger companies. So yeah, it's been something I think we've, we've sometimes been shocked how some folks got compensated. And then we've also seen people go in and have fairly meteoric career rises thereafter. Yeah. They join as a chief of staff and then within a year or two, they're a VP or an SVP because they've had ultimately like very good career champions, i.e. the exec that has brought them in has seen firsthandedly like how effective they can be. And yeah, we, I think we, we have seen some very good examples of it working well, although we have limited data compared to the rest of the world, but I think it's, um, it's, it's proven to be a consistent topic of debate, you know, among founders, CEOs, execs as to, yeah, if you want to hire very well, like what's the profile and there's a default to this consulting MBA industry experience. So you kind of got the gambit of what might be needed and there's plenty that would disagree with that. So yeah, you said it could be a shorter podcast. It could also be probably a yeah, two hour right. long debate if we opened it up to, uh, <clears throat> to the LinkedIn community. Okay. So yep. what, one question to follow up on that. So it sounds like there definitely is a more heavy concentration and desire for MBA specifically within the chief of staff role. And then it's up for debate in other areas. Are there other areas or functions where, I don't know, I'd say you consistently see that no one really is looking for that or cares too much, or they, they will say that, um, just kind of thinking about the flip side. Yeah. So I mean, like engineering, engineering, I don't think people care, right? They're putting more on a PhD if you're going to have anything or a master's product people like an MBA because mm. you're more commercially minded and probably showing evidence of like organization and leadership and that kind of stuff. Um, strategy ops finance is where we see a, a big push for it. And so that chief of staff tends to be very much saddling strategy and ops. Um, you know, and there's an element of finance, um, just being able to dig into numbers and data and financial reports and things like that. So yeah, we see like corporate development, corporate strategy. It's huge. Um, the chief of staff, by definition, a lot of the time, especially a small company, you're narrowing, you're not narrowing down, you're doing lots of things, you're working across the orb. So to see a founder or a CEO and they have a chief of staff, that person's essentially the mini CEO for all intents and purposes. Yeah, I think, and then you obviously marketing, I'd argue people quite like it. Sales, I, I think unless you're truly like later down the line and you've so to speak, carried a bag for five, 10 years, produced millions in revenue. So sales is very different, right? Like your numbers tend to speak for themselves unless you, unless you've just worked for a company like Snowflake in the last five years, where if you didn't perform, then you just didn't go to work basically. But like, I think if you're in sales and potentially if you don't deviate into revenue strategy or revenue operations, mm -hmm. then yeah, a bigger firm, then I think an MBA could be deemed to be credible. If you're an accounting exec or a sales leader, I don't think many people will care. They care about your numbers and your approach and style, um, and consistency. Can we dig into the marketing one a little bit? I'm curious about this one because I see, I do see that if you scan through and see job specs on LinkedIn ads or wherever you're looking, a lot of profiles, I would say, do you have the MBA desired or preferred? Um, as you know, one of the top like requirements, I have a 
differing point of view, but I'm curious to hear, uh, just hear a little bit more about your thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm really talking bigger company like for the most part. Um, so say you're going into a e-commerce or SaaS business and a lot of it is, I hate to say it, because I think the industry is entirely flawed on this, but if you think about box checking exercises and standing out against your peer group, it's a branding thing. So you could have a brand that you've helped build that people recognize and they recognize, they say, oh yeah, cool, I recognize that company. Or, you know, say, say someone's like at a, um, say you're talking to e-commerce, right? And somebody comes out with a very well-known brand just because they're in the news last night, let's say Patagonia. And then you go get an MBA, then you're more likely going to open yourself up to other industries of thought versus like, if you did do the MBA and you're at Patagonia, you might go into other apparel or e-commerce type businesses, probably not B2B SaaS. So, cause people will discount the industry. So I think it, what it does is it's a kind of like line in the sand for many candidates. That's like, that was a chapter of my career. This is the kind of segue into a new chapter and I've paid a lot of money for that potentially. Mm. And then now I, I, I think I've earned the right to go into other areas, but I think the marketing for the, the, like, if you think about it, you, you learned marketing last year, you were studying stuff that had probably been done in the last five to 10 years. And that might just be completely irrelevant mm. now in terms of how buyers behave or especially post COVID and this is even since I moved here four years ago, like it was all about demand gen. And then last year it was all about product marketing and, pro and, and, and product growth. Um, demand gen was kind of out the window a little bit. So, um, you know, now it's largely content and, um, and, and copywriting and, and media has sort of come back into even for B2B SaaS. So, um, I think, yeah, if you, for people that are really stuck, it's a good way to invest money to segue. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, you have to really know about what outcome you want, I think, or well, probably one way or the other, you either have to know, I want to go into a Google type public huge company and I'm, I'm going to pay the money to try and get onto one of their MBA programs, or I just don't know. And so I'm going to allow for some serendipity. I'm going to pay for that and see what happens. Yep. Is there a, so we're talking about MBAs in general too, but curious if there is a cutoff in your mind of when it makes sense and maybe doesn't make sense. So let's say, cause I actually thought about this at one point too, right? I'm like a retail background, not sure if I want to continue down that path, maybe open up to other areas. Wasn't quite sure what I wanted to get into, explore an MBA ultimately decided that the investment wasn't worth it for me at that time because I wasn't clear enough with myself on where I wanted to go. So <laughs> I hit pause on that, but I was also targeting specific, let's say top 20, right? Like to me, that was kind of my cutoff in terms of like, you know, that might get me into, into a spot where it made sense. But below that, I was like, is the value of that really going to stand out and give me an edge in a pivot? Personally, having heard what we've heard and seen what we've seen, I wouldn't consider outside the top 20. Um, if I look at where the top 20 is, so you got 20 is UCNA, then you got Washington, St. Louis, Indiana, North Carolina, Washington, Carnegie Mellon's 25, Georgetown 26. This is on Bloomberg list, by the way. But like top 10 is Stanford, Chicago, Harvard, Northwestern, Dartmouth, MIT, Penn, Wharton, Columbia. Um, Virginia, Yale, Cornell, NYU. Yeah. I would, I, if you're going to spend that amount of money, 
if you're in neither top, the letters themselves, MBA, are half of the equation. Like it's where you did it. And if you're saying this whole movement and decision is to learn, then you should go wherever. But if it's to learn and have access to other people and other companies and network effects, and you know, it, it goes completely against the diversity initiatives and more companies are really pushing at the moment as well. And like mindful of, but there's far more effective ways to prove your value where if you're going to invest 250,000, you can legitimately start a very good e-commerce type business with that much money or consulting business or build a product. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I think unless the, the, unless the program or the school has kind of modules within it, or it's known for something specific that you want to go deep into, if you want a solid MBA that will make your profile pop, then I would double down on the top 20. I do appreciate that. That's incredibly expensive. Um, but I, I, I would, I would question the stats and the, like, even if it costs, say it costs 200 to go to the top 20 and 80 to go to something in the top 50, but the back end of it or beyond, I don't think you'll make that money back. Whereas I think you'll make this money back faster. And I'm sure we, we should probably look into like, there's probably been studies and reports yeah, sure on that. A lot. But, um, yeah, it's, it's all brand, right? It's all brand recognition and hiring teams and executives just being impressed and raising an eyebrow or something. Whereas if you go to another school that they don't really know, then I think there's the question of, well, why did you do that? Should they just go to that masters at a better school rather than an MBA? Or like I said, put the money into other mechanisms that show that you're very smart and creative mm. and driven. And you know, I know this and you know this from the last year, that there's a lot to be learned from working in a real early stage, small company that's trying to come on the ground, but it's just every day is a learning experience yeah. and it's your, your, your kind of self-taught or using other resources in the market versus lectures or industry case studies. Um, but again, I get, I get, you know, I get why people want to do it. Um, I think just, yeah, you have to be very, very clear with yourself about the return that you likely get, what kind of things you are strongest that that has to suit your personality and your motivation and, and we, there's plenty of people we talk to with MBAs who I'm very impressed with and there's plenty that I'm like yeah like you just got into that school that's it like there's nothing you've done on your resume is, in, is exciting or interesting and higher worthy in my opinion yeah it's interesting you, you brought this up just having kind of like a thinking about a side project is maybe another avenue or investment that maybe isn't quite as expensive to me, at least like the curiosity that someone brings or desire to improve and showing that they are willing to invest in some kind of experience and get that experience, I think trumps a lot of that in my eyes, just so you get a lot of good skill sets and values and that can take them a lot further, but that might be but you're, but for you, I would say that you see more of a builder and an operator rather than just, um, an optimizer yeah. of what's already in place. A lot of big companies will hire MBAs because they, they know they've got these management frameworks installed, which is what they need. Mm -hmm. Like if you're already a billion dollar company, I'd argue the hard work's been done. Getting it to five or 10 billion is more about operational gearing and management efficiency. And um, yes, being innovative, but like to a lesser degree, 
yeah, you, you, you have critical mass, which you, you should be able to scale to two, three, four, five billion. And so at that point, companies don't need mavericks and they don't need visionaries. They don't need risk takers. They need like people who can execute very soundly against a framework or improve, um, op operation, um, and spend, um, and, and that's where strategy that's probably why strategy comes into it, right? It's cause it's like strategically, how can we make incremental gains versus taking big risks? Mm -hmm. Cause shareholders probably don't want that. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point of view and, and distinction too. Um, kind of just between like some of these larger companies and, and the smaller ones where, uh, like you said, uh, there's just a difference in, in needs for skill sets. Yeah. We, we've got CEO founder type startup takes it like, do not show me anybody with an MBA. I don't want anybody that's thought that that's a good move to then come to an early stage really? startup series A or B. It's like, yeah, they like don't like, cause a lot of founders, it's the opposite of what they're about. Or if you think about, you know, why would I go and learn old ways of doing business? We're here to like push the boundary, push the envelope of what's possible. And so we need other crazy people to be on board. Whereas, but there's plenty of entrepreneurs out there that have got to learn an MBA come out, had an idea, either ditched the MBA or finished it, raised a bunch of money, got, and been very successful. So plenty of ways to skin a cat in all things business. I think that is a good stopping point for us, but I wanted to throw it back to you for any final thoughts. Um, it's time to pause. And I think it's a really good time to sort of know what culture, what environment, what work you want to do. Like if I'd say. The reality is if you feel like you're going down the career route of bigger company, slightly more corporate journey, then it makes more sense. If you don't think that's you and you're the builder type, uh, or you're entrepreneurial and you have all these, you have ideas, I'd say put the money to use elsewhere, build a prototype, get feedback, put some money down, find other investors, um, and try that, uh, because I think you know, there's no time like, but you don't know how much, you know, if you're going to get a second shot, honestly, so you might as well just start doing the thing you, you care most about. And then if you make a mistake, then you, you know, you tried and you think yeah, the MBA can happen potentially later. Um, yeah, I, I think like we seem to say this with a lot of conversations is like trending caution. Mm -hmm. It's just like map it out, whiteboard it and, and then get a sense of like what excites you the most and, and what you know, like all decision frameworks, like what's the upside, what's the downside. So I think, um, yeah, like think it through, visualize it, try to imagine how you feel, go down in all the tracks and, um, timing like anything is pretty paramount. Awesome. That's a good spot to wrap up. Gareth, appreciate your thoughts as always. And then until, until next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Breakout. If you want to hear more, make sure to hit subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to be the first to get notified when future episodes are released. If you like this show or want to share feedback, please leave a review so we can keep improving and share the word with other leaders in the tech talent space. If you have suggestions for topics we should cover, please feel free to reach out to either myself or Gareth.